0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a huge edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel. And joining me, as always, is the world traveler himself, Mr. Christian Redshaw. (laughs) Christian, how are you doing today? I never know what you're going to come out with.
1: As much as I want to prepare for this, you can never fully be prepared.
0: No, my goal is to make you break down laughing every time. So
1: (laughs) it's 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 cracking me a little bit. I'm doing well now that I'm here with you.
0: That's good. That's good. I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, Hail all all the way from Washington D.C. It's Dina Atwell uh, of uh, I'm going to say Cyber One. Capital One. One, thank you <laughs> from, Cap- from Capital One. Um, you know, she's a manager for uh, insider risk uh, management. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, individual. Um, really looking forward to talking more about insider threats, and insider risks. Mm-hmm. I think we've only talked about it once before, so I think it's going to be a really in depth conversation. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Dina, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today. How, how are you doing?
2: Pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you?
0: Well, we're both doing well. We're really excited for this uh, conversation. I know it's been many months in the making, so uh, th- the day is finally here. But uh, uh, thought we maybe just start with you telling us a bit and our audience a bit more about yourself, your career journey to date, uh, what it is that you're, you're currently focused on.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, right now I'm at Capital One. I've actually been at Capital One for almost three years now, I started when the pandemic first hit. Um, so I've been pretty much virtual the whole time, but it's been really good experience. So I am on the um, cyber insider threat team at Capital One. Um, I absolutely love it. I'm a manager on that team focusing on the cyber insider threats. So monitoring our network, um, trying to detect any anomalous activity that could point to insider threat. Um, but I kind of fell into insider threat and cyber as a career. So I fell into it Um, In college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I majored in political science, kind of, you know, had a lot of legal classes Um, and actually to graduate from my university, you had to do an internship. So I decided to do an internship in Washington, D.C., where I live now, um, but I'm from New Jersey. So I decided to move down to D.C. for the semester, do an internship. And I was placed at the Department of State Bureau of Diplomatic Security Cyber Threat Analysis Division. So I was very honest that I did not have cyber experience. Um, They said, that's okay, you can learn on the job. So I was very thankful for that. I had a great internship experience, great leaders, um, went back to school, finished up my senior year in college. And I said, this is what I want to do. I want to work in intelligence. I want to work in investigation, something with cyber. So I ended up getting my graduate degree in Homeland Security, focusing on cyber as well a bit. Um, From there, worked as a private investigator, actually doing insurance fraud investigations, so kind of that internal focus. Um, I then actually was a regional investigator for Nordstrom, looking at internal fraud as well. So again, that insider threat focus. Um, I graduated from grad school, came back down to D.C., and actually started working in the same office I interned in, so the Bureau of Diplomatic Security Cyber Threat Analysis Division, but I was working specifically on their cyber insider threat team there, Um, and I was there for about six years and then was recruited on over to Capital One, where I am now, Um, so I kind of say I just fell into cyber, fell into insider threat, but it's definitely always been an interest of mine.
0: A wonderful journey.
1: That's awesome. Very, very cool. And I guess one of the morals of that story is good things can happen when you move to Washington, (laughs) D.C.
2: I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's what I say. I do love it here. Um, Like I said, I've been here now for, can't believe it, almost 10 years, but it's been great, great, you know, work experiences and opportunities.
1: Very, very cool. I'm hoping that we can talk about insider threats. And if it's okay with you, Dina, I'd like to break down the insider threat and define the threat between the, you know, malicious, intentional insiders and the unwitting, accidental insiders. Can you just at a really high level explain what that means?
2: Yeah, sure. So insider threats, obviously, um, they differ from external threats that's usually handled by like a cybersecurity operations center in a company or something like that. Um, but the external threats don't have any sort of, you know, inside information into the company. So the insider threat are usually the employees or someone with trusted access to that company, to that, you know, to the government, to whatever it may be. Um, So they have some sort of inside information. And like I said, usually an employee of the of the enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you mentioned, there are two different types of threats. So there's that unwitting insider and then there's the malicious insider. Um, The unwitting insider is actually more common, right? Someone that doesn't know that they're doing something wrong. It might just be a bad security practice. Um, They might not have the education needed, right? Like their company maybe didn't tell them not to do that and they don't know. Um, Maybe they're just not super skilled in cyber so they don't realize what they're doing is bad. So that's the unwitting insider and it does cause a lot of damage, um, but it's not malicious. So they don't mean to do it. Uh, the malicious insider is more what my team focuses on, and really what usually the insider threat programs focus on a little bit more. And those are the insiders that know what they're doing is bad. Um, they want to steal the information. They want to take the data. Um, and while you know the number of malicious insiders obviously isn't as large as the number of unwitting insiders, um, malicious insiders can do a ton of damage to the company. Right? Not only. Um, taking the data customer information national secrets you know depending on where they work um, but also the cost of it and also just the reputational impact to the company
1: absolutely that I really appreciate you breaking that down it is very interesting delineation there between the two groups my my thought goes towards smaller and medium-sized businesses because capital one is such a huge enterprise um, what do insider threats? Uh, look like for SMPs?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, capital one's huge, but insider threats are everywhere. Right. And for small businesses, almost more so because there might not be those safeguards in place. Um, right. There might not be that education in place. So an insider threat of the small business could maybe they want to start their own business, right? Like maybe they're working for a small business. They want to take the data. They want to take the client list. They want to start their own business. Um, maybe they're providing it to a competing business for money or for whatever it may be. Um, but I think there are definitely a few ways that small businesses can bolster their security practices against insider threats um, that aren't super hard and they might not have uh, implemented already too.
1: That's awesome. so let, let's get into it when I'm when I'm th- when I'm hearing you talking about the threats I'm thinking well what does the um, insider threat program? look like the first thing I think of is awareness is needed for the unwitting accidental insiders. But can you, can you break down the elements of that? Yeah,
2: sure. For sure. And definitely for small businesses um, and other companies like that, this could definitely be applied to them too. So first, like you mentioned education, right? Mm -hmm. So telling people, Hey, this is okay. This is not okay. Having that education, you know, why is it bad to connect here? Why is it bad to click on this link? Um, things like that, right? Even like phishing, definitely phishing, even though it's so simple, could cause so much damage. Um, So definitely educating your employees on what is okay and what's not okay and kind of having that line there for them. So then you kind of take away the unwitting insider a little bit, right? If they have that education. Also, it's a deterrent for that malicious insider. If they know that your small business has that education out, has that awareness and is aware of insider threats too. Um, So kind of showing that, you know, you've, you've mitigated the unwitting insider a little bit, but then you've also mitigated the malicious insider. So definitely education for any program is a huge education and awareness. Um, I also think there are some steps that you can take as a small business owner or really anyone, um, looking to protect their data. The first thing that I recommend is really knowing your data, right? If you don't know what you have, you don't know what to protect, um, or what to, protect um that's most important or most critical. So I say um, it's the crown jewels really. I always ask, hey, what are your crown jewels for your line of business, for your small business, whatever it may be, what's important to you? Um, and really identifying those critical assets and then making sure that you are putting um you know that you are putting eyes on that and really protecting those. So really doing an inventory of the data that you have and what you'd like to protect. Um, then also something that's pretty simple that could be done that also is a really big impact, I think, is the principle of least privilege. So basically, it's a term, you know, in cyber, you only give out the access that the person needs, right? So if I don't need admin rights, then I don't have admin rights. Um, If I don't need to copy files, then I don't copy files. So, you know, kind of, Narrowing the access that the employee has, and that also, you know, goes for unwitting insiders as well. If they're not sure, maybe what they're supposed to be doing, and they do something wrong, they transfer something. Um, they're an admin, and they're doing something on the computer that they're not sure of. Um, just really limiting the access, I think, is a huge um, something huge that a business owner could do as well.
0: Dia, uh, uh, I'm curious around, I um, guess maybe maybe mindset, you know, because. One of the things that we've often encountered when, when you bring up the whole notion of sort of an insider threat or insider risk, you know, a lot, especially at the, a small mid-sized business level, um, executives will say, "Well, we trust our staff, right? We trust our employees." Um, how, how would you best position it in terms of it? It's not a matter of whether you trust them or not, but you know, it's it's part of risk management. So, um, what what's sort of the best way to to respond to that type of um, mentality or mindset?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I I do think culture is super important. So I like when places or companies, you know, we trust our people. I think that's great. And I think if they're working for you and they're handling this sensitive data, you should trust them. So that is a good first step. Um, But like we mentioned, the unwitting insider, right, they don't mean to cause harm or damage. Um, So I think that's something to point out that not many people think about when they think of insider threat, they think of that bad you know, bad actor right away. Um, But it's not always that case. So you're helping protect your people, helping them um, from doing anything that they might not realize that they're doing. And then also, I like to say insider threat, you know, out of 100 people, 99 of the people are good and they are doing their job um, and they're doing it the way it's supposed to be done, right? But that one person can really cause so much damage that it impacts the other people that are just doing their job, right? Like the good employees. Um, So I say, you know, it's great to trust your employees and trust your people. Um, But personally, I do think it's like you mentioned a part of risk management and you definitely still need to have an eye on it.
0: And and it's really a follow up. To to that maybe the you know short answer is risk management but how, especially with smaller organizations um, they'll see something like insider threat as being maybe a domain for the IT team or the IT service provider to to deal with um, mm-hmm. how, how do we bridge that conversation move it more towards you know, one of a business organization uh, or, uh, organizational risk
2: yeah I, I definitely think like you said it's it's kind of both. Um, so it's IT as well, but it's definitely an organizational risk. And, you know, if I was a small business owner, I would want to trust my people for sure. Um, but I also think that it's important to to kind of protect your business and protect the data and the customers they, that you may have and their customer data um, and protect your reputation too. I know for small businesses, reputation is everything, right? Um, it's word of mouth. It's reputation for the small businesses. Um, So you just want to make sure that your reputation stays intact um, and that your customers can trust you.
0: Amazing. Um, Just during the conversation in a slightly different, uh, yeah. Area Dina, uh, I know you, you're a tremendous advocate for uh, diversity and in, in, uh, in growth in, in the cybersecurity workforce, and you know, seeing uh, more females and greater uh, elements of diversity enter the field. I'm wondering if you could tell us sort of where where is the profession right now in terms of diverse, its diversity journey, and what actionable steps still need to be taken in order to, to, to further that?
2: Yeah, so cybersecurity as a whole, especially investigations. Um, so the you know the numbers change, but it's definitely less than a quarter of women are in cybersecurity. Um, and I think it's, you know, I'm trying to do my part, trying to mentor um, women in technology, first-generation college students. I think it stems from that, right, from being younger um, and maybe that women aren't as exposed to cyber. Like I said, I fell into it, right? So that would have never been a career path I was exposed to me. So I think it's really important not just saying, hey, we want more women in cyber. Because that's great to say, but how do you actually make that happen? I think by going to high school level, college level, um, even younger than that, but right, like really exposing them to all the different career paths. And I think too, when people think of cyber, they think, oh, maybe it's boring, it's math, it's, you know, you have to be good at those things. Um, But I like to advocate that for me, at least cyber insider threat, yeah, there's those technical skills, but you really have to be a good communicator, good writer, good investigator, curious, all of those you know, softer skills um, you need as well. So I definitely think that there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, I have to say, you know, all of the women in cyber groups, I'm active in women in cyber at Capital One, um, diversity, inclusion and belonging group at Capital One, Um, you know, nationwide with mentor women in technology. Um, I think that's where it starts, really just getting out in your community and making the difference and volunteering.
0: You know, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. I just appreciate the uh, uh, kindness and, and positive energy you put into the world and the, and the wisdom you share with us today. And uh, I want to give myself a pat on the back for not asking <laughs> you what's in your wallet. So uh, <laughs> I made mean, <it's> entire <laughs> episode without asking that obvious question. Uh, until now. Until now. Yeah. But you don't have to until answer Until now.
2: That. It is Capital One. Yeah.
0: Is- <laughs> 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 but um, th- thank you again so, so, so much for for joining us on the on the podcast today. That was an absolutely fascinating conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you,
0: Dina. Awesome. Krish and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Well, that episode did not disappoint. Uh, Dina it was just a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciated how she broke down again, insider threats, yes. insider risks, and again, in a way that will resonate in particular, with much of our audience, you know, small and mid-sized business owners and executives. So I, I was really impressed with again how she laid that out and sure. uh, clear call to actions. Right, that you can't just focus on the external risk. Right, there's a very clear and present danger in the very digital age with uh, um, insider threats. But uh, what was one of your key takeaways?
1: Well, I have three. She was talking about what does the practically an insider threat program look like. So education, Mm -hmm. knowing your data and taking an inventory of your most valuable data, your crown jewels, Mm -hmm. and then the principle of least privilege. Yes. For yeah. privileged access,
0: yeah, perfect, yeah. well, distinct. Dina did a fantastic job breaking that uh, all down, and our appreciation to Dina Atwell for joining us on the podcast today. And as always, saying a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss a previous episode, uh, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page and/or uh, your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and Chris and I will see you again shortly on the next Cyber. Week. Yes, next week. That's. Seven days, (laughs) thereabouts, on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.